0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good day out there today, enjoying a nice June so far, um, I think. We've been outside quite a bit. I hope you guys have too, but um, inside right now, recording this podcast for you to listen to. Got a lot of great stuff to get to today. Mark Coyle, uh, University of Minnesota Athletic Director, will join me here in a little bit. I caught up with Mark um, last night. At uh, Gophers Coaches Caravan. They started doing that again after a couple-year hiatus. Um, they were out in Stillwater on uh, on Monday evening. Really nice event out there. Some fans came out to meet some coaches. Uh, saw Ben Johnson out there. Saw Lindsey Whalen out there. Both of them will be on a podcast later this week. Talk to them together because I think they're an interesting Tandem—they're interesting individually as well, but I thought I would ask them some of the same things. So I talked to them at the same time. So that'll be on a show later this week. A um, bunch of other coaches out there as well, including uh, Gopher's wrestling coach Brandon Eggum. Um, I think gymnastics gymnastics coach Jenny Hansen was out there. So a good turnout. A lot of uh, a lot of good folks out there. People I hadn't seen for a little while. So looking forward to. Uh, playing that interview with Mark Coyle for you here in just a little bit. Um, got some extended thoughts on name, image, and likeness as well, because Mark and I talked extensively about that during our chat, and that's become such a big topic in college sports. Got to get to an interesting um, thing from the Twins Jays series. I know that's a little bit in the rearview mirror now, but... Um, it looked like the Twins might have been on to Kevin Gaussman, the uh, the excellent uh, excellent Toronto pitcher in Sunday's game. Something about his uh, his split-finger fastball, or at least his off-speed pitches. They seemed to be detecting something in his delivery, perhaps, that was telling them what pitch was going to come. Whatever it was, they laid off that pitch. So it's just an interesting kind of cat-and-mouse In that game, Um, the Twins very effective in that game, knocked Gaussman out his worst start of the season. They won that game. So I want to spend a little bit of time on that, but also spin forward, of course, to this big series coming up starting tonight against the Yankees. Um, Looks like a nice few days for baseball here in the Twin Cities. So I hope you guys can get out to a game like Patrick Royce and I talked about Monday. Attendance at Target Field has not been great this year. Only two games um, over 23,000. So I'll be interested to see what kind of crowd they get for the Yankees. While it is, you know, midweek, um, you're kind of getting into the summer months now where people don't mind getting out in the middle of the week. So we'll see all about that. But first, what did I miss? Well, uh, one team that, uh, is run by, uh, Cronky sports and entertainment I believe that is the holding company yeah crunky Sp- Sp- sports Cronky sports entertainment is having a better last 10 days maybe even a little bit longer uh, than, than another um, that's a holding company has an ownership stake in a lot of teams not just uh, not just uh, in the United States they've got you know big stake in a lot of uh, you know international teams as well. Um, but, the, you know, two of the big ones, and they, they kind of started out in, they're based in Colorado. Two of the big ones are the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. Um, Colorado Avalanche advanced to the Stanley Cup finals with a 6 5 win over Edmonton on, uh, on Monday night, a comeback win. They were down 4 2 in that game. Just a great overtime goal. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but just the 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 way that that goal was scored, just uh, uh, deflection of a, of a shot, puck was controlled. Uh, just you know, just one of those one of those goals where you had to see it almost to uh, to believe it. But uh, you know, it was it was one of those plays where you just were like, how did how did they do that? How did, how did how did they you know how were they able to do it? It was uh, oh yeah, it was I was Leckinen or Terry um you know, basically. Knocked a, pass, knocked a pass out of midair, deflected it, and then got the puck and basically shot into an empty net. It was a back-and-forth kind of game, a high-scoring series. Um, Colorado with all sorts of firepower, and they are now through to the Cup Finals, 12-2 and so far in the playoffs this year, including 7-0 on the road. So things going very well for the Colorado Avalanche. Things not going Quite as well for the Denver Nuggets, which is another team, of course, owned by the uh, the Kroenke um, Sports and Entertainment Group. Late last week, we haven't gotten into this yet because I think this happened after I recorded Friday's show, and Royce and I didn't get into it yesterday. Uh, late last week, Josh Kroenke, who is the uh, vice president of uh, uh vice chairman of Kroenke Sports and Entertainment. Um, Spoke with the Denver media um, first time in more than four years, according to the Denver Post. That uh, that that Josh Kroenke has uh, has spoken to the media at least in this kind of setting, um, and he talked <clears throat> he talked about a lot of stuff related to the Nuggets, but in particular had some interesting comments, locally pertinent comments about Tim Connolly, um, the you know, the executive, the president of basketball operations, who left Denver to come run the Timberwolves, and that was an officially announced thing a couple weeks ago, and he was introduced to the uh, the Twin Cities and had a news conference last week at this time, uh, Connolly did. So, you know, we knew at the time that um, a lot of that was, you know, the, the Wolves essentially made him an offer that he couldn't refuse, right? It was five years, $40 million dollars, and some sort of bonus tied to franchise value, performance, things like that that could escalate his salary even higher. Um, so Kronki hadn't talked since then, hadn't talked in forever, it sounds like, um, and had some interesting things to say about it. <clears throat> he used the phrase phantom equity to describe the... Uh, what the what the wolves were giving uh, what the wolves were giving uh, Connolly in addition to the five years and forty million dollars called it a bonus scheme and said the Nuggets aren't a startup organization that would give such incentives to a uh, an executive. So right there, some interesting language that uh, that w- that we're dealing with in terms of the offer the wolves gave the offer that Connolly ultimately accepted. Um, so, you can sense some, uh, sense some little bit of bitterness here. He said, ultimately, this is another cronky quote reading from the uh, Denver Post story. Ultimately, when you go to a stratosphere that some clubs, you say some desperate clubs are willing to go to, there's a tear out there that just kind of doesn't make sense, he said. And he used the word desperate another time, uh, in that, uh, In that news conference and and said the Wolves kind of went through, quote, the side door to take take, uh, Connolly away from the Nuggets. Now, this is interesting. It does feel like a little bit, uh, maybe even more than a little bit of sour grapes at this point, right? The Wolves coveted somebody. They got permission to make him an offer. They made him a very strong offer. It's an offer that is not governed by... Salary cap. It's a creative kind of offer. Um, Mark Lurie and Alex Rodriguez um, probably brokering a lot of that. Glenn Taylor certainly playing a key role as well as he transitions the team to Mark Lurie and Alex Rodriguez, the new ownership. But, you know, just an interesting kind of uh, tone. And I wonder how that will play out as time goes on. I mean, you know, Denver could be a very good rival for the Wolves. The Wolves could use like a bona fide rival, right? I mean, they they kind of started it a little bit with that game eighty-two in two thousand eighteen when the Wolves made the playoffs and Denver didn't. You know, but since then, Denver has had a much smoother upward trajectory than the Wolves have. Denver made the playoffs each of those next four years, um, won a few playoff series in there Made it to a conference finals. The Wolves took a pretty big step back, of course, after that game one eighty two. Came um, not again, not game one eighty two. Imagine if the NBA season was one hundred eighty two games. Game eighty two. Um, you know that the Jimmy Butler stuff fell apart after that. They went into a reboot and are now coming out of it, having made the postseason this last year. And Now Connelly joining them to hopefully build on that and, you know, get further than just the first round. But the Wolves could use a rival, and it sounds like Denver wants to be that rival. Um, and if you remember, um, Denver, the only reason Connolly had this job was in 2013. Denver lost uh, Masai Jury for, uh, who took, took a similar job in Toronto. Toronto ends up winning an NBA Finals six years later. So, you know, Denver has a reputation for maybe not, paying its executives uh, what the what they think they're worth maybe going a little cheap on that regard. so I don't know it was just an interesting kind of aggressive approach that Josh Cronkey took to this whole story and you know he seems a little bit bitter about it and I you know when I wrote about it I, I concluded by saying maybe he'd be better served holding up a mirror instead of a flashlight to the situation saying that maybe it's something Denver's doing and not something some of these other teams are doing that is causing this to happen. So we'll see. We'll see what goes on the rest of the way with this. But I'd love if this becomes a rivalry, if this becomes a thing, uh, because the Wolves you know, took Tim Connolly away from Denver, and Tim Connolly found some success here. Denver obviously has Nikola Jokic, still two-time reigning MVP, They've got Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming off of injuries. If those guys get healthy next year, they should be a very good team in the West. But the Wolves, also a team that should be on the rise. Not sure if it's going to happen next year, but just pay attention to this. Keep this in mind as these two teams kind of go about their business as the years go on and whether or not this can be the catalyst for a true Timberwolves rivalry take a playcation to mystic lake for 24 7 gaming fun restaurants and bars and luxurious hotel rooms and join club m to bask in the rewards follow the lights to mystic lake where every day is playday really happy to be joined on today's daily delivery podcast by mark Coyle, athletic director for the gophers for mark i was just looking up it feels like the time flies six years about six years since you've been hired what does it feel like time has flown or did the COVID kind of make it feel like it's been 20 or how did we, how do we arrive at six years?
1: Uh, you know, uh, I'm excited that we're still standing. Uh, you know, there, there's no doubt if, if you, uh, Michael, if you go back and think about what we've all been through the last 27, 28 months, it's just absolutely bonkers. Uh, but but again, just really humbled and excited to be here in Minnesota. When I was hired uh, six years ago, I was emotional because this place means a lot to me and my family. We see this place as a, uh, as a destination and it's hard to believe that's been six years. We're starting year seven and uh, it's been a Great place for me and my family, and just really, really, to be a part of the golf athletic program.
0: You've done a lot so far. I think hiring has been one of the things you've been known for here. I mean, I think you and I have talked in the past about kind of your process for making big hires. But you know, as you kind of have thought about the evolution of the people you've brought in here, how how have, how has each search or each kind of team? How have you kind of approached a lot of those high profile hires that we now see with? P.J. Fleck, Bob Motzko, Lindsey Whalen, Ben Johnson, a lot of these high-profile coaches in these big big positions right now.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Michael, I, I learned a lot. You know, my, when my first job when I was the athletic director at Boise State, uh, after my first year, uh, we had a change in our soccer program, our women's soccer program. And I remember uh, walking into that room to meet with the team and the look on their faces of, what's going to happen next, and so uh, I try to always operate with a sense of urgency when we make a coaching change or if a coach leaves us, and I think if you look back at, at the six years when, we, when we've had to make a new coaching hire, we've moved very quickly uh, because I, I do have a great empathy for the student-athletes. You know, They were brought to this institution to compete academically, athletically, and socially, and so we try to go out and find uh, the, the best person for that job in terms of how they'll interact with our student-athletes, uh, with our culture of our department and our team, and I think if you go back and look at the, at the hires we've made, you know, I've got great people I work with, uh, Julie Manning, Dusty Clements, uh, Peyton Owens, Tim McCleary, Trishy Buck I could go on down the name the people that have been a huge part of our success here of hiring these great coaches. But again, I think we have a really good understanding of who we are, what we want to be, the type of people we want that comes to Minnesota to help us continue to build our
0: program the right way. You've had to make tough decisions along the way, too. Eliminating programs uh, was, was part of that. As The dust has kind of settled from that how you know how's the pro, how, how's the department kind of moved from that point to where it wants to be now
1: yeah, well, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, I think people sometimes forget. I've been in college athletics for 30 years. Yeah. I'm finishing my 10th year as an athletic director, so I'm still learning every day. Uh, the last thing you want to do is have to take away opportunities from people, and we had to make some really, really difficult decisions. Uh, as you know, we looked at uh, the financial situation, uh, Title IX considerations, and at the end of the day, I had to make a tough call on what I thought would be the best for our department. So we, we went through those difficult decisions. I understand why people are frustrated, why they're hurt. I get that. Uh, but we we feel like those decisions are necessary to help us move our program forward. And I think if you look at our department right now, uh, you know, athletically, uh, you know, we're in the, I think you're ranked 11th in the Director's yep. Cup uh, right now, which puts you in the top 5%. Mm-hmm. Academically, uh, 3.44 grade point average. We're the highest rated public school in the country. Uh, so I'm really proud of what our student-athletes and our staff are doing day in and day out to represent the state of Minnesota in first-class men.
0: You talked about... You know, we talked about COVID. It's kind of inescapable to talk about what we're kind of hopefully coming out of to a certain degree now. It's been survival mode kind of for two years in a certain degree. Probably from a budget standpoint, from an everything standpoint, as you maybe not like you weren't not like you weren't thinking strategically over those two years, but as you maybe are able to think about some of that even more so now and implement some things you want to do. What's what are some big? whether they're big ticket or big agenda items that are you know, on the next you know, five year plan or whatever you want to do here.
1: Well, obviously, College Athletics is going through a lot right now. I mean, <laughs> a it, that, that bit, yeah. might be the understatement <laughs> of the year. And, and, and you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't recognize President Gable. Uh, Mike, she has been awesome. She, she has been so supportive of our student-athletes, our coaches, and our staff. Uh, I think we have really, really strong alignment with our Board of Regents. And, and for us to continue to move our department forward as we try to navigate through the NIL, and that seems to change every day, the, uh, the Austin case where uh, student-athletes can receive academic um, um, incentives for academic progress towards a degree for competing, etc. As we try to navigate these changes, the realignment that happened last year with the SEC, with Texas and Oklahoma, right? And then you saw a trickle down effect of realignment at some of the other conferences. How does that impact the Big Ten, etc.? And, and I tell my wife every day, uh, I am so grateful that I'm here at Minnesota, that we're a legacy member of the Big Ten Conference. Uh, I feel like the Big Ten Conference has a great, great sense of principles and will always continue to make volume-based decisions. So when you ask me about the next four or five years, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's critically important that we focus on making the best value-based decisions for the University of Minnesota to make sure that we continue to always be mindful of the academic mission, the athletic mission, and making sure we represent this institution in
0: this state in a first-class manner in everything we do. You mentioned name, image, and likeness. I mean, I feel like coaches are dealing with that in recruiting. How much, do you, how much does that touch you on a daily basis or on a decision-making basis?
1: Uh, it's every hour. I, I mean, it, it is a conversation that I have uh, almost every hour with every coach. Uh, And and I I am so grateful. Uh, The coaches we have in place right now have been awesome uh, in in trying to make sure, you know, NIL, there's so much uncertainty around it. And Jeremiah Carter, who uh, heads up our compliance, has done a wonderful job. Jeremiah, a former student athlete here, worked at the NCAA and has been in Minnesota for several years. He and Julie Manning, our WF athletics director, have been two key figures in our NIL space in making sure we provide uh, the education to our student athletes, we provide the opportunities to our student athletes, and you know, as we start to move forward with NIL, we just want to make sure you know people are going 75 right now, and the speed limit is 55. We want to make sure that we stay within the guardrails and that we do things the right way. So when we do get more guidance nationally on what NIL is going to look like, Minnesota is in a good position. But we feel very proud of, of our program. Uh, we, we have uh, 22 sports. We have student athletes in every sport has some sort of agreement in NIL right now. Yeah. So it's very broad based. We feel like we've done our student Athletes a lot of opportunities, and again, we're we're all for that. We want to support them. Make sure again, we can do the next best right thing for our student athletes in our program.
0: Do you feel like, you know, when NIL was implemented, that you could have? Would did you look at it when it came in and say, I can predict where this is going, or is it just? blown people away and be like, this is going faster than I could have imagined or it's gone in a direction that we could not have comprehended.
1: Uh, I've used the word clunky more in the last 24 months (laughs) than I ever have in my life. I I think NIL has been clunky for everybody. I mean, you look across the country and how different schools, uh, different states, different institutions are implementing NIL. And and again, a, a lot of credit goes to Julie, to Jeremiah and my staff. You know, we worked incredibly hard. Peyton Owens on our staff. We worked incredibly hard to do everything we can, just to position Minnesota so that when we bring a young man or young woman to our campus, they know that they can maximize their NIL, that we're going to do it the right way, we're going to represent our program the right way. So uh, it's been clunky. There's no doubt it's been clunky. I'm not sure when this will air, but it will change in the next 24, 48 hours. That's how NIL is right now. You see different deals, different collectives, different things going on. And, again, we just want to make sure that we position our student-athletes to have all the opportunities they can have uh, to maximize their experience in Minnesota with respect to NIL.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just you probably don't have to deal with as so much transfer portal stuff, cause, but you probably do. I mean, it, it, do you feel like, I mean, this job must have changed, even like you saying, it's changing every 24 hours. Almost, if that's what NIL is, that's kind of what you sign up for when you become a high-level administrator. At the same time, I feel like you know college athletics, just like the world, the pace of change has accelerated to the point where it's it's almost kind of like it's probably almost hard to plan because you don't know what the target is in six months from now, even.
1: Yeah, you know, I had a great chance, again, when I was at Boise State working with Chris Peterson, who's our football coach, and uh, and Chris now teaches in the business school over at Washington, and, and Chris is always so gracious with his time, and, and I remember talking to Chris a lot throughout COVID, and, and Chris talked about always, like, hey, you got to do the next best right thing. You know, how can you make decisions to do the next best right thing because literally our ground is shaking and shifting on us right now mm-hmm. as we try to make these decisions, and so we've been focused on, you know, trying to do the next best right thing for Minnesota, and, and there's no doubt, you know, if you look at the record number of ADs who are stepping down, not only in athletics, but everywhere. It's, it's, it's been bonkers, again, what we've all been through the past 27 months, and, and I've heard people use the word, we're all tired, but we're also depleted, and what can we do to kind of recharge ourselves, get ourselves more energized, because, again, we have a great, great opportunity. I'm around coaches who are highly competitive. I'm around student-athletes who are highly competitive, uh, and, again, I feel very blessed and humbled to be here at Minnesota and look
0: forward to the future of Gopher Athletics and the many great things we're going to do. Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot. Last question. What's your favorite venue, sports venue on the U of M campus?
1: I like them all. Yeah, uh, you, know, you can't <laughs> say that. You can't say that. I put you, know, you on the spot. Well, well no, you know, actually. Uh, you know, I think uh, you've been to a lot of our, our venues. Probably you know? been to all of them. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, uh, what Ginny Hansen's done with Women's Gymnastics is phenomenal. Uh, the Pavilion for, uh, the Tury pavilion for volleyball is phenomenal. Uh, the Gopher Hockey game against Michigan this year in the Big Ten tournament was phenomenal. You're going to
0: list them all, are yep, you? Yep, 110 gonna list Bank them all. Okay,
1: you're going to list them all. Uh, okay. I love, uh, you know, Aaron with uh, with mm-hmm. soccer. So, again, I like <laughs> them all. What's your all least favorite? I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, my least favorite is when it's cold. we okay. got to work our way through the cold, but I like them all. It's, it's great you to like see Williams Arena? I, I, I think Williams Arena is very special, and I had a chance. You know, I just finished my first year on the NCAA Men's Basketball okay. Committee, and I've had a chance to travel and watch way too many college basketball games, and there's something special about walking up the court to Williams Arena that every coach I talk to and I meet talks about that experience of walking up onto the court. So I think that will always make Minnesota unique on that side. Appreciate it, Mark. Go mingle. Take care. Try to dodge that one.
0: Appreciated that chance to catch up with Mark Coyle. He did a deft dodging of that last question. Uh, he did answer some other questions, though, that I thought was interesting. Uh, the amount of time that he spends on name, image, and likeness jumped out at me. Because, I, you know, we hear about NIL. We hear about the changing landscape in college sports, how, you know, athletes being able to Capitalize to monetize on their name, image, and likeness has become such a game changer, allowing them to, you know, have income as amateur athletes. Which I think, which I think is fantastic. I think this is a great spirit of the rule. I'm glad that athletes are able to do this. So in the class I taught at the University of Minnesota in the journalism school this past semester, we talked a lot about that. We even had a couple of college athletes in the class who could give their perspective on it. Um, I thought that was very interesting to kind of hear, you know, how for some of them it's just, you know, they get gear or they get something. But, you know, at least it's something they wouldn't have gotten before. But, you know, we're talking about major college football programs now where we're we're talking about, you know, some seven-figure deals being talked about. And, you know, it sounds like Minnesota is being fairly uh, cautious is maybe the wrong word. But, you know, trying trying to figure out where this is going, not trying to jump ahead of the game and then wind up getting you know, getting told that, no, you can't do that and finding some sort of sanction along the way. But this is obviously such a game changer in college sports and how much time they're having to devote to this, to the compliance with it, to, you know, how this affects recruiting. Um, You know, it, it, it shouldn't be a mystery to us because it is such a, you know, such a hot topic. But, you know, how the NCAA is going to govern this going forward, whether or not they overreach at a certain point, because, you know, the NCAA all along has been, you know, kind of this unfair, you know, practice of the coaches, the administrators get a lot and the athletes get, well, you get an education, um, which is great, but uh, their their labor is paying for a lot of big money salaries for a lot of people. So why shouldn't they get some of this, whether it's in the form of, you know, like I said, name, image, and likeness, capitalization from booster payments, things like that, Um I hope they can figure out something that makes this so schools don't have to, you know, govern this 24-7, but that athletes still get a fair share of whatever money is out there because that, that, to me, is the big piece of this. But I don't think it's going to get easier before it gets less complicated. And, you know, you heard Mark Coyle talking about a lot of different words like clunky and how much time they're spending on it. That probably detracts from other mission goals that they have, and this has just been kind of thrown upon them, in addition to transfer portal stuff, and the transfer portal stuff I'll get into quite a bit with Ben Johnson and Lindsey Whalen on an upcoming podcast. Um, It's just, you know, it, it totally has changed the way they do their work, and, you know, everything is everything's in flux, right? Everything is change in sports, in life. Everything is an evolution that you adapt to, but this feels like a big, you know, a big moment in, in college sports, and how schools are able to navigate that will position them uh, kind of going forward for where they fit in that pecking order. And I do wonder where the Gophers will ultimately wind up. Let's finish with an extended cooler. I want to talk Twins for a few minutes before we get out of here. An interesting story from over the weekend Sunday's game when the Twins faced Kevin Gaussman. And, you know, very good pitcher for... Toronto has been having a very good season but the Twins got to him. They they got to him in pretty uh, pretty big uh, in a pretty big way. He gave up I think 9 hits, 5 runs, only 3 of the runs were earned, but his shortest start of the year didn't even get out of the 4th inning. Um you know, so that, you know, that to me tells me right they, you know, they they had him they had him pretty well uh, pretty well figured out and you know, his best pitch Really, his out pitch is his split-finger fastball, his splitter. Um, <clears throat> opponents, I think uh, I saw Aaron Gleeman tweet, opponents hitting just 167 off of uh, off of Gaussman's splitter this season, um, swinging and missing almost half the time on that pitch. And the Twins, for whatever reason, were able to really lay off that pitch. He I mean, threw 13 splitters in the first inning of that Sunday game. Twins took nine of them for balls um, in the second inning, got two hits off of his splitter, um, and those were the innings they scored their five runs. Um, you know, Blue Jays broadcasters Dan Shulman and Joe Stahl were you know, both you know right away, pretty soon in that game, were thinking the Twins seem to have figured out something about Gaussman and his delivery or his approach or something he's doing that lets them know when he's throwing that splitter or at least an off-speed pitch. And they were really timing him up and able to lay off pitches that other teams hadn't been able to lay off. He he ended up only throwing six splitters in the final three innings after throwing 13, so maybe Gaussman also figured that out. There's a video breakdown by, uh, by the account Raps Leafs Jays, obviously I think coming from Toronto with that headline, kind of showing a different grip on the ball. I don't know if you can pick that up as a hitter or if that's the kind of thing that's just a slow motion thing on video, but if that's what the Twins were picking up on, that could be kind of what they were able to figure out and you know, again, if it's even if it's just a subtle thing, even if you even if you can kind of detect some of the time when that pitch is coming, it helps you not swing at it and not swinging at it, a ball versus a strike makes such a big difference and the count gets you into hitter's counts things like that so it's interesting to me the cat and mouse game of you know figuring out something very subtle in somebody's delivery that is uh that's causing you to be able to have that edge you know nothing like the astros and stealing signs using (coughs) video technology but if it's just something that you can see with the naked eye with someone's delivery that is absolutely fair game that's just good scouting and if that's what happened um, you know, and maybe it wasn't, maybe we're making much ado about nothing. maybe it was just that they had a good game plan and were able to lay off it. I don't know, but you know this is not necessarily a twins team that has been known for its patient, great approach, so it does feel like maybe they had something figured out against him. So next time these two teams play, I'll be interested to see you know if Gaussman pitches again and what kind of adjustments are made, that series will be August fourth through seventh at target field. so watch for that. that'll be an interesting subplot to watch for here in a couple of months starting tonight at target field twins and yankees yankees are unbelievable this year they're unbelievable a lot of years they've got such a payroll advantage over most teams but they are pitching so well this year they just lost but they're 39 and 15 on the season um actually no they didn't just lose they're on a big roll 39 and 15 right now um they just clobbered the Tigers again, um, and they had Monday off. They swept the Tigers. Yeah, they are on a one, two, three, four, five, six-game winning streak. But hey, Toronto was on an eight-game streak before the Twins cooled them off with two out of three. So we'll see what happens in this three-game series. A good test for the Twins. Well, Luisa Rise leading the Ma- leading leading the American League in batting average, um, having a very good season. A lot of good stuff happening for the Twins right now in first place. Haven't fared great against the very, very best in baseball, getting, uh, <laughs> getting pretty lopsided losses against the Dodgers and Astros so far this season. So we'll see if they fare any better against the Yankees, but it should be fun. This is why you watch baseball. This is why players compete to see if they can do it against the very best. And that starts tonight at Target Field. That will do it for today. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back at it again tomorrow.